Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. All right, it's Film Study with Ken McCusick. Week 15, looking at the offense this time as the Ravens won 27-10 victory over the Browns in Cleveland this week. And the Ravens are in good shape, it looks like, uh, to finish out the season. Ken McCusick, how are you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I am doing uh, – normally I come back with an Oriole reference, so I'm doing better than Zach Britton, who is now going to have surgery tomorrow and miss oh. four months of baseball. Oh, no, because, I didn't hear that yet. That's uh, terrible. A torn Achilles on his landing leg. So this is his last season as an Oriole anyway, right? Yeah, it gets interesting. And uh, I think we might do a bonus 336 maybe tomorrow to talk about it because the, that, the Orioles might want to consider just cutting him now and saving some of that money off the contract because he was going to get paid big this year. And now he's missing at least four to five months. Wow. And that would there be goes a very so it would really be a zero trade value situation. Oh yeah, obviously. he's got zero trade value. All that went up in smoke. Uh, really wish we would have traded him last week at the winter meetings. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's all right. Well, the Orioles will figure something out. I hope the Ravens are who we got to be concerned with now, and the Ravens are pretty healthy still. Yes, they are. They're getting healthy at the right time. You know, it's been a while since they've. Uh, put another player on IR, uh, so they've done well with that. And uh, some of the players who were walking wounded have looked better. And C.J. Mosley, in particular, we talked about on the defense on Monday night, looked a lot better in this game. And there's a little bit of that going on the offensive line as well, I think, too. Yeah, now last week we talked about DeVoa and how you said the Ravens were ranked really good in DeVoa. Now this week they come, it comes out, the updated rankings, and they're number one in the AFC. That's correct. They're number one in the AFC. How, how does have, that work? They, they, the Steelers beat them twice, but they're still higher than the Steelers? 
Yeah, I mean, it goes off your, all your games for the entire year, and, and it does happen sometimes that the team that has the best record is not the best Devoa. So uh, anyway, it looks at, at individual plays to determine who who was winning those, and it adjusts for your opponents and adjusts for uh, all sorts of other things as well. Their, their formula also is proprietary. It's one of the things people don't like about Devoa is you can't look inside to see how the formula is done. And in that way, it's maybe a little bit similar to war. War, the formula is known, but nobody can figure it out. Right, it's just a lot of so math. There's a lot of math involved in that. So when you really understand what war is, you really question it a lot more, the, the 294 winning percentage imply. But we're not talking baseball today. We're talking football. So we're going to stick with DeVoa. Right, but Ravens. of course, DeVoa, you can't explain to me, but the fact that the Ravens are number one in the AFC is something we can be help, excited for. Yeah, well, obviously, we completely believe in DeVoa now that the Ravens are number one in right. the AFC. Right, it's definitely the best stat out there. <laughs> so anyway, the, the, the Ravens are significantly ahead of the New England Patriots, who have the second best, something called weighted DeVoa, which looks at your most recent games and gives them a higher weighting. And they're yet further ahead of the Steelers, uh, who are at approximately plus 20, and the Ravens are plus 30, and, the, and New England's about plus 25. The Ravens are the third best team in football behind the Rams and... I've got, I've got the rankings I'm looking at has the Rams, the Saints, the Eagles, and then the uh, Ravens. That's, that's correct in so terms number of one four. through four. However, okay. however, there's an adjustment for Carson Wentz not playing for the Eagles now that, oh, that dumps them down course. substantially. Of course, yeah. I didn't think about that. Even though I still, I'd still be scared of the Eagles if I was in the NFC. Oh, sure. But I, of course, losing Carson Wentz is going to affect that. Right. So, so anyway, exciting time for the Ravens in terms of that. And it just if you break it down, and you can see it there, Josh, they're number one in special teams, which is a huge advantage for them. They have one of the best special teams units of all time put together right now. They have. Uh, the number two defense now, and that's down from last week when they were number one, but but they're just barely behind Jacksonville now in terms of the, the second-best defense in the entire NFL. And they're, they've they bumped up to 20th in the NFL in offense now, so up from 29th a few weeks ago. So that's you know certainly a pretty big jump to make in, in three weeks. Yeah, I feel like saying we're first in special teams is kind of like when the Oriole fans would say, but we've got a really good back end of the bullpen. Yeah, well, if in it's, football you play about, uh, I mean, some of them aren't as big a deal because they're kickoffs, but you play about, I want to say about 30% of your plays are on special teams. Okay, so that's, yeah. that can't be that high. 30%? That's really about, high. Yeah, that's about right. You, uh, I mean, you punch, so, uh, punch and field goals almost every drive. You have kickoffs. All right. So you're, you're, that's you true. Know. Especially, and yeah, and if your team offense really sucks, you're out there a quarter of the times with the offense. Sure. There you go. Um, I guess I, I guess I can get with that, even though it's something where uh, I guess the way we speak of special teams, um, even when we have a really good special teams and we have that conversation of, all right, well, Sam Cook is really good and has really helped out this defense, but he can't be season MVP because you don't but, want to give MVP to a kicker. Yeah, no team wants that stigma. Of, oh, it, worse than giving it to a kicker is giving it to a punter. Right, I right. Mean, you, you, you can give true. it to a kicker. Right. Yeah. Tucker has gotten it twice, I believe. Oh, really? As, as kicker, <laughs> but but to give it to a punter, I don't know if that's ever been done. No, it's just it would it would be a very bad precedent to set. But uh, yeah, you have to be a confident organization. I mean, I mean they, they've yeah. got some playmakers on defense. Suggs probably might win it. So you know, they they have some possible right choices. Sure, sure. Um, all right, so number one in Devoa, but this team, we went into this season thinking really good things about the defense. Mm-hmm. 
Then injury, 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 and this team kind of fell apart. How is it that now we are here in after 15 weeks of football and we're number one in Develo? What what happened? Well, they've a lot of things have happened to make the offense a little better, and I want to get to that in a minute. But in terms of the defense, the defense hasn't been through too many serious injuries this year. So they've, they've, uh, they have lost Brent Urban, that was serious, and they've now lost Jimmy Smith, and that could be serious, but it hasn't been yet. So we're, we're right now, the, the, you know, the, the injury situation to date on defense is not that serious. Now, losing Marshall Yonda is, of course, terrible, um, and having Ken Dixon be suspended was bad, and uh, you know, they've got a number of other, frankly, very kind of minor injuries on, of people on IR who weren't going to make the team anyway, but were in camp, so they got on IR, and they're in a split contract now. Um, you know, the situation has just not gotten much worse as the season has gone along. They stayed away from the injuries they have no way to deal with. C.J. Mosley, if he got hurt, the, the team would be completely screwed in terms of what they could do. So it's, it's, uh, it's been a pretty good year, honestly, for injuries at this point now. On the defense side. Mm-hmm. All right, the offense has improved, and is that is that a health? Do you think that's a health? It looks like Joe is more healthy. He's moving around now. What yeah, do you what I, do you I blame? Think, I really think it's a variety of factors, and I tried to put together a list of those factors and kind of give them an increasing ranking for each. So it's not like kind of like a top ten list, but we're going to start at the bottom, and, and we'll talk about in terms of one item at a time of a kind of increasing importance what we've got here. Okay. So I thought the first thing that is a two-point factor, we're going to call it, is, is the play of Ricard. Ricard has been, made some great blocks the last few weeks. He's been a key part of the offense in terms of a, a couple of touchdowns he's actually scored personally. Um, but, but mostly, he's just been a very good short yardage player for the Ravens to help them get in the end zone, help them, help them convert first downs. And, of course, a lot of people are going to point to the one they didn't convert this last week against right. the Downs. But he has been pretty good in, in that situation. So there. can we so, can we add label that just adding a fullback to the mix? Yeah, I mean he was there before, but uh, but uh, he's it, it, this is how much better he's okay. played than he was before. So it, I, it's a two point value I'm putting on that, and it just you're gonna have to get a relative sense of this it's, as we go through it. Um, the second one is Danny Woodhead returning. So everybody thought that when he returned, which was for the Green Bay game five weeks ago that he would be the difference maker on offense, that he would all of a sudden, the ball would be fed to him on every right. play. and because the He Ravens seemed like the perfect play. Joe uh, receiver type guy for that short short yardage little dump-offs. Sure. And, and, and he is. Um, he's, he's caught 21 balls on 24 targets, which is good. It's not great for a running back, but it's good. And he's uh, averaged 5.6 yards per reception, which is not particularly impressive. But he has made some significant pass blocks also over the last five weeks. So he's he's a vicious little guy in terms of a, a pass blocker. You know, they they call him just a ball of muscle, but he really he attacks hard in the leg and thigh area for uh, for any oncoming rusher. So he's been very good at that and uh, adds a, a you know a couple of different dimensions. They can have him run the ball, but uh, he can catch the ball and get some key first downs, and he can block as well. So. Anyway, that's a three-pointer, I, I would right. say, for Wood, for Woodhead with regard to what he's accomplished. Okay. Uh, how All about right. the offensive line? So the offensive line certainly would be the next one. And, and because the offensive line was already playing pretty well, I don't, I don't look at that as, a, as an enormous improvement. But they've continued to kind of gel and, and be less injured over the years. So now they have 
Skura playing, and he's played for several consecutive weeks now, and, and you know he's got the job, and they've had Hurst at left guard now for a number of consecutive weeks, and they haven't had to put him back at tackle in the last four. And Stanley has played all but one game, and Jensen has been uh, Jensen f- and played the entire year at center. And Howard has been an Iron Man at right tackle as well. So they've actually had a fairly healthy and fairly consistent line, with the exception of one Stanley injury. And they're playing well. Hurst has learned how to pull very effectively, and Roman is using him for the power run game. That allows Howard to stay on side on the right side, which means he can contribute something in the run game. Because if he if they run the other way, it's going to be very difficult for Howard to make a block in level two because he's very slow afoot. Whereas uh, Stanley, being a little bit quicker, can make a contribution in level two even if the play is run to the other side. So. Uh, a lot of a lot of value in the way the Ravens run it, and uh, and they've done some good things with that. So right, offensive so, line play a four. So for those first three points, you're giving that a lot of points for uh, protecting Joe and giving Joe time and and space. Yeah, and they've done well with that. They've only sacked him three times in the last four weeks, which is a good point that I forgot to make. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, other opponents are getting some pressure, but they haven't been able to convert it. Right, but I mean, even your even your points on Rick, Ricard and Woodhead was their blocking ability and the ability of helping out Joe and Collins mm-hmm. up there. So, um, what else? Okay, so I, I, and another consideration that's been very large recently is there's finally some chemistry between Joe and Wallace, and that's been off and on at times, but but recently Joe is looking for Wallace on the sideline throws. He's looking for Wallace on some of the third down throws and he's certainly looking for Wallace primarily on the long ball because he's the he's the best threat they got. Moore has got one of those uh, as well but Wallace is not only making catches on the football what I'm also impressed with is, is the way he's defending against interceptions and we'll get to that later is one of the really big things that's happening with this team but uh, but he had two he knocked down just in the game against the Steelers one of them was going to be a penalty anyway, so it would have been it would have been wiped out. But the but the first one was just a great interception strip in the end zone that I, I hard for me to believe it uh, he was able to do it. Yeah, so. we we talk often about wide receivers not knowing that how to transition mm-hmm. then to a defender. Yeah, and, that's a really good point. Yeah, I, I, Wallace doing that tells me Wallace has. Um, really, really wants to make a deep playoff run this year. I mean, I just think his play will be a very significant factor in the Ravens going anywhere in the playoffs because they really are so short on receivers. All right. Um, what about Alex Collins and the backfield? He's, he's your next guy on the list, right? It's got to be. That's right. So he's a six-pointer right now, and I would have had him at about an eight-pointer before, maybe even a nine. Um, the, the running game is obviously been one of the things that's been very impressive about the offense. Collins ran 12 times for 19 yards in this last game against a tough run defense, uh, but he had been running uh, for reduced yardage even in the previous weeks relative to what he did in his first few games. Uh, that's okay because his number of touches has been expanded, so even though it's at a lower yards per touch, I think he's having more of an impact on the game in total. Particularly against the Steelers, had that huge game, even though they lost, of course. Right. He's made some key pass blocks. I, I'm, I'm impressed with his other contributions to the game, especially on Ricard's touchdown pass, which I think we talked about last week, where uh, Joe came in and patted Collins on the head for making that play. He didn't go into the end zone to run after Ricard for catching the football. He knew it was it was Collins's cut block on Dupree. That opened that, it up. That, that opened it up, and so that was good. Um, so, we're, You mentioned concern a little bit there with Collins. And 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 his 
uh, total yards and, and running going down. What do you think that is? Is what do you think is going on? Well, the more carries you get, the more other teams are able to look on you in film and try and decide: Are you? Uh, what are you doing? What are okay. your tendencies? So they're et figuring et them out. Yeah. One of, one of the things about Collins that's a little bit frustrating is he runs away from the blockers. So he, he does not follow his blocks well, worse than any good back I've ever seen. Okay, so if you're, if you're where you are and you're on the right side of my screen there, he says, okay, I don't want to be behind you because you're going to clog up my lane here. I'm going to run two, two holes to the right of you over here where nobody is in the way. Right. And then, of course, he's open to the defenders but, at that point, and he has to break tackles. But when that works, you're off your seat cheering for him. Yeah, it's because like, that's no, also that's shot. also oh, how wait, you wait. get the big breakaway. Yes. So all right, uh, all right. So that was six points. So hey, what's next? So uh, Joe Flacco is is next on the list, and his uh, he's not quite playing like Joe did in the Super Bowl run. I'm not going to claim that, but he's it's, on a very good it's run. Not the playoffs yet. <laughs> yeah, he's at, yeah he has to peak at the right time. He's had six touchdowns and two interceptions since the bye, and that's in five games. And that is greatly improved level of play. He looks like he is turning the upper body in a way that he is zipping the mid-range passes and is willing to take more chances with them now. And I think that's, generally speaking, a good thing. And uh, he certainly is able to throw the fastball to the outside. And we've seen more of those 10-yard hitches than we had in a little bit. So real positive on Joe. That's a 9 in terms of its relative importance. So... It's it's as important as the offensive line play, Woodhead and Ricard all put together is is Joe's play. All right, um, and then next you've got the takeaway ratio. So you mentioned that a little bit with Wallace and with Flacco there. So speak to that. Yeah. So so there's been in the in the five games since the bye, the Ravens have had 15 takeaways and only two turnovers. Both those turnovers with the two interceptions we already mentioned by Flacco. So a 15 to two takeover ratio, takeaway ratio is going to get it done, particularly over a five-game period. Uh, that's, I think they were 11 and two or 13 and two. I can't remember which in their postseason run in 2000. To put that in perspective, and you know they were taking the ball away right. every time you turned around in that in that run. Right. Uh, no, that that's and that's exciting football right there. Um, okay, and then special teams. So special teams and the defense together get a little bit of assist here in terms of what they're doing for the offense. The Ravens are winning field position like the great Ravens teams of old have done. They're continually with a two-way kicking game, with a punting game, with the coverage units. They're, they're consistently winning the exchange of field position. And you know, we saw it in this last game when Cook down three punts inside the five-yard line. and Well, Cook didn't down them, Moore downed them, but they made three punts inside the five-yard line. The 2000, 2003, 2006, and 2008 Ravens, which are probably the best four defenses the teams have ever had, uh, were all that way in terms of winning field position and, and setting up the offense with short fields. All right. All right. So, again, you, you capped that off with the most important thing being the, the uh, besides, I guess, the takeaway, you gave the takeaways 10 and field position 10. So that's again. You're still putting a lot of emphasis on that special teams. Yeah, that's that's me doing the old Josh thing about putting a defense or special teams uh-huh. player on my offensive Same. MVP. Sam Cook MVP. Mm-hmm. Let's make it happen. Um, let's get to the offensive line because they touched the ball a little bit more than thirty percent, or actually with defense and all, maybe around thirty percent as well. But yeah, so they had about uh, about. I may I may have the percentage wrong. I need really need to investigate that right. before I speak off the top of my head. But the offensive line play 
They got 72 offensive snaps in this game. Ronnie Stanley uh, played 70 of those because Ronnie Stanley ran a pattern on one play, a very unusual play where he was designated as an eligible receiver. The play would have worked wonderfully had the Browns been playing man defense because the Ravens ran a clear-out route where Moore ran past McCourty. And had McCourty followed him, that would have worked. But McCourty instead uh, passed him off to the guy in the next zone and then looked back and he saw Stanley was you know, tippy-toeing around and he, and he went immediately after him. He was too smart to be fooled by it. And so Joe correctly threw the ball away to the right side instead of throwing it for Stanley. And, uh, and it didn't work out. And then furthermore, Stanley had to go to the sideline. So I'm sitting there watching on TV, and I didn't see exactly the way the play played out. But my first thought was, this wasn't worth it. Stanley had to go to the sideline to rest the play after you sent him in a pattern. And now it's third and nine, and we're going to bring on you know some bozo left tackle, and it was Denal. Um, and, and he's going to have to try and block Miles Garrett when Stanley's having trouble doing right, it. Right, right. So it, it, didn't, it didn't seem like a worthwhile trade at the time. But now I, I you know, looked at the coach's tape and saw what they're trying to do. I understand it. You're, just, you're taking a chance. They were trying to score a touchdown on that one play. Yeah, so what do we need, Stanley, to work out a little more, get, get that cardio going? You know, I thought he did a pretty good job of selling the fact that he was trying to pass block. But McCourty... Uh, you know, apparently had it figured out from the start. Obviously, they announced his number as eligible. Right. Uh, I don't think it's anything about the running down there. I think Stanley's perfectly capable of winning a jump ball, but it's a very long throw for Flacco. To Flacco to run to the other side of the field, the field's 53 yards wide, and he would have been throwing to to the corner of the end zone where he had to to get it over McCourty. It would have been trying to drop it in the bucket to, to a distance about 40 yards away, which is about like how far he has to throw on a typical vertical route. Okay. So that's a, that's a, that's a long way and it's going to be a hard one to get right on the money. And he's going to depend upon six, five Stanley being able to out jump McCourty for the football, which he probably can. Okay. So that's, I, I would assume more that that's a play that you're just expecting Stanley to be wide open over there and he sneaks yes. past, right? Yeah. And that's, that's when you're actually going to throw it. You're not going to ask your lineman to fight for the ball. That's right. So, so Joe wanted to not have to throw a teardrop. He wanted to be able to throw a high-velocity pass over right. towards Stanley. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's move on with James Hurst. So James Hurst has been, has been playing well. He's been one of the really good stories about this offensive line, moving inside, finding where his career ought to have been the whole time. It's like he just took his career aptitude normal t- normalizing test, as the Simpsons had, or his, his can't test, and determined he couldn't play left tackle, but he can play guard. And he uh, moved inside and played played well again in this game. Not not extraordinarily well as he you know he'd been playing previously, but I got to see in this game. He in the last two games has made 15 out of 20 pulls, and we keep talking about his pulls, and I keep giving you kind of a rolling score on this, but I kind of want to frame it up somehow for you. He's now had 71 pulls since the first three weeks of the season, and he's made 58 of those. So that's a little better, better than it's about an 82 in score on those. And you say, well, that doesn't seem that great. Maybe that's a B or something. But the truth of the matter is that's probably a low A because most polls or polls at a much higher rate result in highlight blocks or important blocks that extend plays in level two or create opportunities in level two for the back. So both of those things are very important. And generally speaking, uh, pulls play a big part in the in the power run game. So Hurst uh, has has brought a lot of value to the Ravens with what he does. 
he's going to make a lot of money probably somewhere else next year. And uh, got to be happy that he was at least able to put this season together for the Ravens. Don't be bitter about losing him because the Ravens will get a compensatory pick for him. But uh, he's uh, he's certainly going to going to probably stay at guard and be pretty good in the future. All right, so just enjoy him while we have him. Yep. All right, uh, Ryan Jensen. I'm hoping that's not a enjoy us why enjoy why we have him guy because I'm right. really liking Ryan Jensen. Right, and that's the issue is they really can only afford one of these two guys, and they're both playing well. Uh, Jensen got an A in this game, had a very good week, and he had responsibility for Danny Shelton. This is exactly the guy that we've got Ryan Jensen for, the behemoth AFC interior defensive lineman. Shelton is is the prime example, along with Hargraves at at, uh, Pittsburgh and McCullers and also uh, uh, Atkins for Cincinnati. So this is one of the guys that he is, is absolutely hired to beat. And he did a good job of it. And uh, in this game, he had uh, one and a half pressures allowed only. One of those was a straight bull rush. He gave up to Shelton, but otherwise he did a very good job with him. And uh, got an A after adjustment in this game this week. All right. That's always good. I hope uh, more A's from Jensen. How about Skura? So Skura had been kind of playing pretty darn well for a long time. And, and he had... I don't wouldn't I don't know if I'd call it a setback game, but he had a C this week, which has been a little bit not quite as well as he had been playing. I'm just trying to go to it here. Um, yeah, I mean he's he, he, this is his fifth C or C plus this year. He's had one, two, three Bs, and he's had two As, and he's only had one D. So this is that's been by far the most consistent Ravens offensive lineman this year that he's had played ten games and. And uh, nine of them are A's, B's, or C's. So uh, very positive uh, uh, season, but uh, this was his probably his second worst game of the year in this time. He uh, missed some blocks three times. He had cut, uh, what two half penetrations allowed, one and a half pressures. He had a lot of trouble with Nassib, the defensive end for the uh, Browns, and allowed him to get a PD because he didn't properly sell the screen pass with a better block at the line of scrimmage. Uh, anyway, a, a, a game of mixed results for Skura, but he's still having a good year. The the Browns impressed me a little bit on Sunday because their defense was way better than I expected. Yeah, I mean, they just having Miles Garrett is kind of like having Jadavian Clowney. I mean, he's a okay. he's a very defining uh, defensive player, and, and and the rest of their line is not bad. I mean, Shelton was good on his own against the run, and they have Nassib, and he's been pretty good, uh, you know, as a pass defender, and and now he's left on an island more than he was because of because of the fact they have uh, uh, Garrett on the other side. But uh, Garrett is the guy. He's he's providing a lot of that pressure. Yeah, uh, they they have the Bears and the Steelers for uh, the next two weeks. Do they mm-hmm. get a win this season? Mm, 27% chance. All right, that's a no. Okay. <laughs> that's about the same chance as my uh, Ravens Super Bowl ticket. Um, you wish your Ravens Super Bowl ticket was I do wish it was I do, and I do too, by the way. <laughs> so, and it, hey, um, each week it increases. So let's let's hope. Um, last guy is Austin Howard. Okay, so uh, Austin Howard. Not not a lot of detail on what he did, but he had a holding call late. And I would one of the things that's been said about that holding call is that it was a good holding call because he took care of Joe Flacco on the play. And I got no problem with that. From that standpoint, I'd rather he held than allowed a sack or a quarterback hit on the play. But the other part of that is that he would he had to hold because he was beaten. So that's not a good thing. So 
anyway, it, it, it was what it was. It cost him the difference between having an A and ending up with a B instead. So uh, that cost him a full grade level with that holding call. And uh, he finished with a B after adjustment. All right. Um, I want to. You mentioned earlier about the trick play with Stanley running, Mm -hmm. and then there's other plays like having Joe Flacco, who's got a bad back, run the ball late in the game when they're up. Um, Marty Morningway came out and said even his wife questions his play calling the next day. (laughs) So I'm going to sit here and ask you the same question: What's going on with Marty? In when it's a relatively easy win against the Browns to be fooling around with some of this stuff well i think i think the announcers it was like the only thing they they were correct about the entire day the announcers had unbelievably bad game management judgment and they talked about that just terrible i mean you know the notion of not going for it on fourth goal from the one yard line with with the the ability to pin the browns back there as the worst possible result it should have been a a no-brainer in terms of whether you go or not Yeah. yeah but these guys were awful with that. They were uh, they were bad about other things in the game, but some of the play calling things they were really I didn't like. Uh, you know their their complaints about certain play calling elements, but the the Flacco thing that was a legitimate risk, and I don't I did not like running Flacco and having him dive. And Morning White probably didn't call that. Flacco probably decided it, but putting yeah. Joe in a position to decide that is not good. You don't think that? See, I watched that play. A second time, because when I first saw it, I thought, oh, Joe didn't see anyone open, and he ran. But you watch that, and he doesn't even look downfield. He just immediately runs, like it was a play, it was a called play. Okay, there were two plays. The first run, I think you're, I think you're right that both of them were called runs. Okay. But the first one, there was a lot of danger involved. The second one was actually very minimal in terms of the danger on the touchdown. Okay. And right. what made that play is Jensen got into level too quickly and took Schobert out of the play. It was actually a fair distance away, and Jensen's got some decent athletic ability, got into level two, and Schobert had no chance against him in terms of, of getting off that block. And that meant the entire middle of the field had no defenders because the, the Ravens otherwise spread. Gotcha. Um, I'm, I still don't like the call against the Browns. Um, the 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 risk reward balance doesn't work out to me in a season where not only have the Ravens been banged up, but we've seen some star quarterbacks go down and out with injuries. Yeah, it's it's a good point. Flacco already, of course, had a concussion, so right. if he got another one in the same season, that would be very bad. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so especially now when we just listed him pretty high up on the reason the Ravens are doing well. Mm-hmm. Um. And then you covered the Stanley play a little bit. Do you were you concerned about how they brought Collins back out after they already had a big lead and and the sideline reporter reporting that they're going to keep Collins out for the rest of the game as a precaution, but then they put him right back out there for a play. Yeah, I, I didn't like it, and you know we've heard various things about Collins like, getting migraines and whatnot, and wearing that visor to try and avoid well, them. But that's been like a an entire career thing, right? Yes, yeah, been an entire career. But it, I'm I was looking at him sitting there on the sidelines, and I'm thinking, this guy just doesn't seem to be into the game in the normal way, sitting there. Now it was cold; it could have been something to do with that, and he just tried to conserve his heat and you know enjoy the bench as much as he can because it might be a heated bench. But I, I'm. I, I, there's something about it, something about the way his eyes were and his head was staring at the game that just wasn't like, boy, what's going on? I mean, you know, players have a lot of nervous energy. And they, you know, they go from the scoreboard to the field to the scoreboard, and then they're, you know, talking to somebody else. I mean, it's just, it's normal to be active. And he was, 
he was almost catatonic on that bench, and that's what kind of bothered me about it. You know, if it was a migraine issue, I, I totally feel for for Alex Collins. My wife gets bad migraines, and she does not have the visor like that. I kind of wish I had that visor for her. Um, but I know that with her, it knocks her out for the day with a migraine. I cannot imagine oh, yeah. trying to play a football game and get banged around with a right. migraine. Right. So, all right, uh, let's get to our uh, def- uh, offensive MVPs. Sure, okay. So uh, The Ravens won, so we get to have some MVPs from the offense. Do you want to go with your number three guy first? Yeah, uh, my number three is Chris Moore. I've been enjoying him as a wide receiver, but on special teams, and especially this week, he really stood out with how he runs down there and Cook gets that ball right in place. And Chris Moore seems to always be the guy there to stop the ball to make sure it's it's ending on that three-yard line. Yeah, it, it was a great week of that, and the, the Browns didn't seem to be doing anything about to stop the Gunners in that game. So, uh, yeah, very effective game for Moore. Can't argue with that one. Um, I'm going to go with Buck Allen. I thought his running to run out the game was very effective, and the Ravens ought to hope that he's again coming back to contribute something on a per-touch basis because that's been the problem. It really hasn't been durability for Allen or, or his ability to get on the field and do something. It's all about yards per touch with him. And, and before this game, it hadn't been good, but 13 for 70 in this one and, and all when the other team knows you're going to run is a heck of a heck of a package of plays. Uh, my number two I'm giving to Stanley because I love to see big guys run. And it's okay. better if he has the ball and running. But either way, I like to see a big guy run. I like that the Ravens are getting creative and giving teams something else to think about. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Can't argue. Uh, and he didn't not, have a bad. Not to game mention the line; Miles. he's been fine all year on the line. Yeah, and, and he wasn't bad against Miles Garrett in this game. He did have a C minus performance, but uh, but still, Miles Garrett's a talent, and they will meet many more times. Number two for me is Ryan Jensen. Uh, he had the best game on the offensive line to the degree that the offensive line is still part of the reason that they're reducing turnovers. They are not allowing sacks. I think Jensen deserves uh, more of that credit than we've given him so far, and uh, he's my number two this week. And my uh, number one is Joe Flacco. Each week it seems like he's getting better uh, this season, and this week he even got Brashard Perryman a catch. Can't argue with that. Uh, my number one uh, is Ben Watson. Uh, four catches for, I think it was 74 in the game, including a nice 33-yard touchdown catch. Good to see him back in the offense. Uh, Joe needs another safety blanket uh, that he can go to. I think if, if you have all, one at all three levels, that might be enough to get him through this postseason. So if, if it could be Woodhead from the backfield, maybe Collins some from the backfield, if it can be uh, some combination of Watson and Boyle, a tight end, probably mostly Watson is the guy it needs to be. And then uh, Wallace as the deep threat. I think that could that could be viable for the postseason. Right. Um, all right. It is film study mailbag time. Go on Twitter, send in your questions. Hashtag film study mailbag, and we'll answer them whether they're offense or defense related, or if there's something else, I'll squeeze them in, and we will answer your questions at the end of each show. Uh, first one comes from a really smart guy on Twitter at Josh Soroka, who wants to ask Ken. Uh, now that Marvin Lewis is losing the leaving the Bengals, it se- kind of seemed like a a quit before I get fired move. But what does that speak for the future of Marvin Lewis, and is there a place for him in Baltimore? There'll be a place for Marvin Lewis certainly somewhere in the NFL, I, and probably as a defensive coordinator would be my guess, uh, and not as a head coach. But who knows? Uh, he's 
He's been a reasonably successful coach over the years. He certainly has been in terms of getting the Bengals to the playoffs uh, five straight years before they've now had two in a row that they haven't been. But, uh, yeah, I think he'll, he'll be back. And could he be with the Ravens as defensive coordinator? I think that's probably unlikely. I think uh, Dean Pease may retire or he may not, but I think the Ravens will want to bring back Dean Pease if he will coach another year. Gotcha. So you think Dean Pease, yeah, it's up to Dean Pease. He's, they're not going to fire him after this season. Look, yeah, let me. I, yeah, I guess let me talk talk through it. I think I think it is going to be up to Dean Pease, and I'd say there's maybe a thirty five or forty percent chance that he retires, and the rest of them he play, he, he wants to coach another year. But even if we're in the thirty thirty or thirty five percent or the thirty five or forty percent, there's still a reasonable chance the Ravens would want to hire an innovator, and that's what I would really want too, is a guy who is will take a good group of great players and. Add, layer on a scheme with that that can allow them or create opportunities for them to do even more. And so I, I would love to have an innovator with this current set of young, very talented players. And, uh, and that'd be exciting if they would try and expand their search to figure out who's the next great 15 or 20 year defensive coordinator out there. Yeah, that, that would be something to be excited about. Um, I also don't think that Marvin Lewis would fit under John Harbaugh. And I think the way Marvin Lewis, when I think of the Raven teams that were under Marvin Lewis, the defense, and when I think of how the Bengals are, they're a much more aggressive, uh, a little bit um, rough in the play style when you think of how they play against, played with the right. Steelers and stuff, and I don't think that fits under John Harbaugh and the doghouse. Right. Well, they, they would certainly have to get that under control, and I, you know, Marvin is probably capable of that. Part of the, that is a player personnel decisions in terms of right. who they're willing to get in Cincinnati. Sure. Um, all right. Uh, other guys have came in with some questions. First one up is uh, Shakiru, who says, are, uh, what are Ronnie Stanley's weaknesses, and has he regressed as the season has progressed? I don't think he's regressed. I, you know, he had played three straight very good games before he had the C-minus against one of the best pass rushers in the game right now, uh, Garrett. So what's his weakness? His major weaknesses right now are that I don't think he's completely healthy. And he's still playing. He had, you know, a little bit of a neck thing. He had a uh, some kind of a stinger in his arm, I think. So he, he needs to work through what his injury problems are and do the best he can because the Ravens don't have any other choice to put out there. There is no other left tackle on this team, not even any good air trust for a few snaps. So uh, if it, it, there, you know, James Hurst could get a game over with if we were in the fourth quarter and up by two touchdowns, so that could, that could work. But I, there's nobody I trust there for, for a starting a game, much less a playoff game. All right. Uh, Dustin Cox says, do you think Max Williams still has a shot of becoming the receiving threat tight end the Ravens drafted him to be? I know he's a valuable blocker, but he's almost non-existent in the passing game. What is the biggest reason for this, and is it that they're not using him enough? I think they have better options is really the issue, and his value as a blocker has been very handy this year, that they've, they've had him on the outside. They usually uh, set him up either in the backfield or just offset off tackle, and, you know, a, a tight end can set up two ways. If he lines up in a three-point formation, more is than that, but if he lines up in a three-point formation, which is as far as possible forward as he can, and you'll notice that because it always looks funny because the tackle's further back, but the tight end's further up than him. 
when you see that, that means he's he's going out for a pass. He's not going to try and block out of that formation. And I I that's just not a place you normally see Max Williams. Max Williams is usually on the end, even with the furthest back bodies there, and he's looking to block, assist that tackle, you know, block in the run game and whatnot. And I don't think he quite has the wheels to be an NFL tight end in terms of getting open. You know, the, the days of having a tight end who would just be able to work their way into a hole in zone coverage, just, it's just not as easy to do that anymore. So I think that that uh, we'll see probably less from Williams, uh, and he may only have one more year in Baltimore. And uh, that's uh, sad, but... Uh, but Probably another team will will find a way to use him more than than the Ravens can here. All right, uh, final one for tonight from Shay Oren. Uh, I just noticed that the game versus the Steelers that Marty Mornaway is also the Ravens QB coach. Can a full time QB coach help Joe improve mechanically and or in decision making, etc.? Joe's gone through lots of coaches. Right. Does he need another? Uh. Does he need another? Probably not. Does it would, would are there is there some way mechanically he could be improved? I'm sure. Would he be resistant to improving and and taking advice from somebody in terms of improving his mechanics? Possibly. Uh, Joe's had you know kind of a love hate relationship with a lot of the offensive coordinators he's worked with. He got he was almost in a position where he's calling Cam Cameron names by the time he left, and you know I didn't think that he did. Uh, he was so good with Tressman either. Now Tressman was a kind of an oddball. How about, how about but, Jim Zorn? Can we bring back Jim Zorn? Yeah, he might have been one of the guys that he had a better relationship with. Honestly, I, I couldn't tell you specifically who Joe had a great relationship with as a quarterback coach because Joe just doesn't wear that on his sleeve. Right. But but there have been times where he's worn on his sleeve that he didn't like the offensive coordinator. Oh, and he's also worn on his sleeve in some comments that he wasn't happy with the offensive play call on this year with mm-hmm. Marty. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Ken. Uh, this week the Ravens play on Saturday versus the Colts. So I don't know if that's going to adjust our schedule. I guess Christmas is going to adjust our schedule, so it will be a little different next week. Mm-hmm. But uh, until then, people should go on over to Russell Street Report. What do you have up there? Oh, uh, stuff on the offense, stuff on the defense. Get your game pass out. See if you can follow along. Follow me on Twitter, please. At, at Film Study Ravens. We have a great discussion now. Got a fantastic group of analysts who really understand the game out on Twitter and all are chiming in. Josh, you know, you mentioned earlier the Josh Britton thing. and Yeah, yep. yeah Zach Britton. So, Zach uh, Britton. Zach Britton. Yeah, there's a new episode of Section 336 that came out uh, on Tuesday morning. Uh, so you should go check that out. That was a fun episode talking about the Orioles offseason. But there's no way we could have projected that Zach Britton would go down. So look for a special little short episode to come out later this week talking about how we how we think with it, things need to be handled now with Zach Britton and how that affects the Orioles offseason and the Orioles plans for the future. So and you're you guys are in favor of cutting or you want to wait until the episode to tell us what you do? I think we should wait until the episode because I have not made up my mind yet. I'm flip-flopping. Okay. Part of me Very says good. cut them, but if you can afford to only All right. I don't trust Peter Angelos. Okay. And if you're cutting him just to save money, that's pointless. If you're cutting him to invest that money in something else, that's understandably. But it sure would be nice to have Zach Britton come in in, in July when you really need him for that second half. Assuming but, but, you're in a place to use him. 
if they if he did come back in July, he could have trade value again, presumably at the deadline. He could just exactly pay a lot to get that trade value. Right, really. right, and then and then he'd also have to come in in July and pitch and look healthy in order to get that trade value. Yeah, and then you're still given a short rental period, so it's not a whole lot of trade value. I, I'm not seeing an upside to that. If they, I, it's not like a football contract where they can get out of it, right? Or is it an option year now for the for the Orioles? There is some type of buyout in it. Okay. So um, okay, very good. There's a penalty, which I'm sure is a lot less than the 10 million that he would cost for the year. I think he's a I think he's a nine or 10 million guy. Mm-hmm. I so that's probably one or two million to get out. Okay. So well, that's interesting. That's a that's a you know that's a tough decision. That's why sports being a business can be such a such yeah. a bitch sometimes. Yep, that's what makes that's what makes professional sports different. So, all right, Ken, uh, enjoy watching the Ravens on Saturday. And if I don't talk to you, have a good uh, weekend and Christmas. You too. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G, because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.